The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. It's brought to you by South African Airways. Victor Homaswana, the author of Africa Bounces Back, is with us this evening on the line to us from Pulukwane. And Victor, this natural gas and Rwanda exploitation, take me through what the thinking is uh, from that country. Good evening, Bruce. It's Lake Kivu between the DRC and Rwanda. That is now the west, the eastern border of the DRC and the western border of Rwanda is Lake Kivu. Methane gets seeping out of that. It becomes very dangerous, actually, if you don't exploit it. So what they're doing is a project, the $530 million project that the Department of Rwanda, particularly the Ministry of Infrastructure, saying there's demand for liquefied petroleum gas. As you know, it's it's, it's propane. The, the, the compressed natural gas is more methane, which is what's coming out of there. With, with a rise from 240,000 tons by 2024 from 10,000 tons in 2017, there's obviously a, a huge demand. So what this Gasmas Energy Limited got was a 25-year concession agreement by the government of Rwanda to extract methane. As I say, it's a, a safety measure because the, the, the waters of Lake Kivu, if you don't extract the methane, you, you jeopardize a whole lot of other tourism activities, fishing and all that that could be happening around there. So it, it's exactly that. They are going to put it in barges, pipe it to the shore and compress it and distribute it as, as compressed natural gas. It will replace a whole lot of other forms of fuels like gasoline, diesel, peat, coal and wood and, and even LPG as we know it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, and I think we know these these resources are there to be exploited. And you know, we, we, some people will shoot us down and say, "But yeah, it's not green, and you've got to be, you know, we've got to be going for sustainable energy." Um, Africa is a poor continent. We need to exploit the resources we have as a percentage of global greenhouse gas um, emissions. Of course, Africa is a tiny contributor. Be good if we could afford to get off, you know, exploiting fossil fuels. But at this stage, I don't think we can. Well, if they don't exploit it, it seeps right into the air. It, it, what, which one is better? But if you compare compressed natural gas, which is methane and diesel, you pick and choose there. But at least it's something that's managing the ecosystem that is going to help. And just remember, $530 million in a region like Rwanda, a small economy like that, that's like adding a huge chunk of the GDP. Uh, it most certainly is. Now, talk to me then about this whole fracas between South Africa and Botswana and vegetable imports and exports. Please, can you explain it to me in little words? Yeah. Because I'm struggling. You, 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 you would struggle because we are talking South African Customs, Southern African Customs Union, which should actually be duty free trading among the different countries, but also the African continental free trade area. So it's counterintuitive to have one government saying we are banning this, we are banning that. The number of vegetables that were banned by Botswana about three weeks or four weeks ago and then Namibia are just, just as they say in those two countries, Bruce, to preserve their own internal economy. They are saying in Namibia particularly, we are importing 100% of some of our produce from South Africa. And South Africa does the same thing in the bid to protect their sugar farmers. They ban the import of sugar in areas that we could be exporting. So it's, it's almost the, the paradox of how can we get intra-Africa trade going if smaller economies like Botswana and Namibia are taking on South Africa by trying to preserve their fresh produce markets by banning imports 
And therefore, that's why the South African farming community sent the letters to the government of Namibia and Botswana saying, please lift this because it's irrational that you should do that. The, the, the retort from Namibia particularly is that, well, you are being emotional because you have your own bans on sugar imports. So it's tit for tat. We are recovering from covid we are going to do everything that will help our GDP to grow. But now I'm sure some Kele, one Kele Mene in, in Accra, in, in Ghana will say, you are, you are taking me back. I'm not going to be able to afford to move the intra-Africa free trade as the secretariat for AFTA. And yeah, it's one of those things that show that, Bruce, we, we talk about things sometimes about intra-Africa trade, but we overlook the practical realities of doing that. This is one example. South Africa's got a very successful fishing industry. INJ is enormous. Sea harvest is enormous. We've seen um, Oceana, of course, as a very significant player here. We haven't had much competition from the rest of Africa in terms of commercial fishing, but certainly Morocco is casting a net in our direction. It's not even competition because it's more artisanal fishery that we are talking, Bruce. But 719 million tons in the first seven months of 2022. That's a lot in Morocco. And the reason I'm, I'm picking up these fishery stories is every time you hear about Somali piracy or you hear any kind of maritime instability between the Chinese ships and the vessel shipping vessels, you, you know you are risking a lot. So Morocco's production of this amounting to nearly a billion tons in the first seven months is just an indication of how rich the African shores are. But because of where Morocco is, Bruce, is across the, the sea from, from Spain and, 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 and those parts of Europe, and this kind of, although it's artisanal, artisanal farming, and it's, it's part of the National Fisheries Office, and that means the shellfish landings, these are your prawns and, and all kinds of crustaceans, and pelagic fish, which is more open fish, all of them went up by 28% and 26%, both respectively. That just shows you that although Morocco is looking to position itself as the, what is it called, the, the, the financial powerhouse of that region where, where Africa meets Europe, it's not overlooking the basics like agriculture and fisheries. And, and that's a good thing because, like I say, this COVID has just taught us that if you have any natural resource in your waters underground, you should exploit it to the full because we are going to get all kinds of disruptions from now on due to either pandemics or geopolitical tensions like we're seeing in Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, the entire global system is, of course, being dismantled in some cases slowly, in some cases more quickly, as uh, there's a reprioritization, a lot more protectionism, of course, um, that comes to the fore there. Talking about protectionism, Nigerians, you know, get cross with their investors from time to time, and we see some of their investors struggling to get money out. We've seen it in the cell phone industry, and now we're seeing it in the airline industry, and there's a bit of a standoff between predominantly, I think, African airlines and Nigeria, which is a very big and important market for the African yeah. airline trade. Yeah, this is even bigger. Emirates Airline. You don't want Emirates Airlines threatening Emirates Airlines threatening to pull out of your country, and that's exactly what they have said. They said from September first, unless you take action to address our airline revenue crisis, and and this means we are unable to repatriate earnings 
at the moment they are estimating $95 million, increasing at $10 million a month. And the reason is simple. Nigeria, among other things, is fighting illicit capital flows. And when they tried that last July, I think, they started putting claims on the, the forex bureaus by the Central Bank of Nigeria not selling enough forex to them to try and control all kinds of illicit capital flows. Unfortunately, they then created a shortage of forex and the suppliers of companies like Emirates Airlines are refusing to accept payment in Naira because, as you know, the city in Ghana, the Nigerian Naira, even the, the East African currencies have been taking a pounding against the, the dollar. So they are, they are reluctant to take payments in those local currencies. And the government is seen by Emirates Airlines as not being doing enough to solve this problem. And now... They are saying the Minister of Information and Culture, Al-Haji Lai Mohammed, saying, well, we will try and address this because the foreign airlines have a lot of money trapped in the country, estimated at over 600 million if you put all airlines together. It's a disaster because Emirates had just resumed flights to that country and they have two centers, Lagos and Abuja, close to 20 flights per day. And you don't want to be canceling all that kind of traffic in, in Africa's largest economy. Victor Khomaswana, thank you very much indeed. Victor is a regular on The Money Show in terms of our Africa Business Report, the author of Africa Bounces Back. Thank you very much, Victor Khomaswana.